Hi, I'm Poppin' Fresh, the Pillsbury Doughboy. I can't believe I ate that whole thing. Now that is a man who has eaten a lot of beef. By the way, ladies and gentlemen, as always, this stuff in lieu of actual entertainment. Alrighty then, hello and welcome back. This is Storytime and I am GamerDude. Glad to have you with us for some more stories this week. This week, my mind went back to food. We always wind up talking about food, don't we? In one form or another, whether we're on the Twitch stream or in this show, I always wind up going back to food. I love food. Who doesn't love food? Well, you know, some people don't love food. Some people don't enjoy food. They just eat because they have to eat. I'm not one of those people. I think about food kind of in the way that uh, Forrest Gump's friend, Bubba Blue, thought about food. Remember that speech from Forrest Gump where he's talking about shrimp? Oh yeah, he went through every possible way you could eat or cook shrimp. You could barbecue it, boil it, broil it, bake it. Then he went through the list of the various shrimp dishes, shrimp kebabs, shrimp creole, shrimp gumbo, pan-fried, deep-fried, stir-fried. He did a whole list of shrimp that you could do. That's how I think when I'm thinking about different kinds of food, whether it's hamburger or chicken or turkey. What can I do with this? And I think that's because since I was a kid, I've always loved to eat, which explains why I was the fat kid. I love to eat from an early age. I've learned to cut back as I've gotten older, but boy, I love to eat. And I've talked about eating and food in the past on the show. When I was growing up, family dinner was always super important. Not only because that's where we got to eat, but that's where we got to interact as a family. It was a regular thing. I've talked about it before. But dinner time was six o'clock and we sat around the table and mom always had a main course a vegetable, a starch, and a dessert. We had a full-blown dinner every night, Monday through Friday. Weekends were a little more catch-as-catch-can, but Monday through Friday, regular dinners. And that's how I learned about the importance of dinner, not only for the food, but for the social interaction. And that's one of the cool things about food. It is a great way to socially interact with people. Now think about that for a second. Most parties we go to revolve around some kind of food. If it's a birthday party, there's cake and ice cream and cupcakes. If it's an office party, somebody's bringing chips and dip. Somebody else is bringing that Chex Mix that they make from home. Somebody else is bringing deviled eggs. If we're having a barbecue in the backyard, it's all about the food. It's the hot dogs, it's the hamburgers, it's the bratwurst, it's the chicken. And then the sides, potato salad and macaroni salad, little coleslaw over there. It's all about the food. And I guess that's what prompted my interest in learning how to cook and how to cook good things and how to cook different things. So obviously I'm going to talk a little about food today, and I'm going to give you another recipe at the end of the episode. So if you want to have your pencils ready, Gamer Dude's Recipe for Garbage Bread, that's coming up at the end. One of the recipes that I gave you in the past, my spaghetti sauce, that's one of my favorite recipes for a number of reasons. Number one, it was one of the first things that I learned how to cook. But number two, it helped me in my dating life. And this goes back to food being a social thing. One of the cool things you can do when you're dating someone, when you're getting to know them, is to cook for them. Now, as a guy cooking for a girl, that answers a lot of questions she may have about you. If you can cook a meal for the girl that you're interested in, or if it's not a girl, if it's a person you're interested in, you can cook for them, that sends a pretty strong message on a number of levels. Number one, you know how to cook. That's important because it shows you know how to take care of yourself. That's a huge message to send in a dating relationship. Number two, you're willing to invest the time in them to cook them a meal. And number three, you feel strongly enough about them to have them over to your house, have them set up camp and watch you cook. There's a lot of messages that you send out in a relationship when you offer to cook for somebody that you're dating. 
Now, I usually never offer to cook for a first date. That's almost too intimate for a first date. The first date is always get to know them. Do we click? Is there a spark? Is something going on there? But for me personally, I always use that first date as a way to gauge that spark by going to dinner somewhere. Some people like a movie for a first date. Some people like the beach for a first date. Let's go get something to eat. That's my first date. And yeah, we all judge at that first date. And when you are sitting down at a meal with somebody for the first time, you are judging them. Whether you're doing it consciously or subconsciously, you're definitely judging them. And oh yeah, I judged. If someone's eating with their elbows on the table, don't even look at the napkin, wipe their mouths with the back of their hand. Yeah, I'm judging. Now it depends. If you're at a barbecue restaurant and you're supposed to chow down by digging into a stack of ribs, I'm not judging you on that. But I wouldn't pick a barbecue restaurant for a first date anyway. You pick some place where they can order whatever they want and you A, see what they order and B, see how they eat it. And yes, I know it's a little judgmental, but if you're a sloppy, gross eater, I can't see myself spending more than a couple of minutes with you, let alone the rest of my life eating dinners across from you where you're... Oh, God, no. Yeah, it's important little things like that. Do they chew with their mouths open? Do they slurp their coffee? That's all first date territory that you check out. I have this little mental checklist. One of the things that I loved about Mrs. Gamer Dude on our first date, it was at a restaurant and we got through the main meal and we got to the dessert part. And I said to her, would you like to split a dessert? And she looked at me like I had three heads. She said, I'll be happy to order dessert, but I don't share food. (laughs) I knew I was in love right then. Oh God, a woman, A, who loves to eat and B, won't make me share my dessert. I knew the relationship had potential at that point. But after that first restaurant date, when you sat down to cook the meal for whoever you're dating, whoever you're interested in, that's an important step too, because there's an intimacy in cooking that you obviously don't get sitting down at a restaurant. And the intimacy is you're handling their food. They're trusting you to do a good job, not to kill them, not to give them something that tastes crappy, but something that tastes good that you'll enjoy together. And the intimacy also comes when the person offers to help cook. And that's an important step, too. If you're making a meal and the person says, can I help? That says a lot right there. The person is interested in helping you in the kitchen prepare a meal for the both of you. That's important. Now, that thing about the spaghetti sauce recipe that I gave you last season, it's an easy recipe to do. It does allow for somebody to help prepare the spaghetti sauce and you get to work together And see how you work together. And the benefit of a spaghetti sauce is, who doesn't like pasta? I have yet to run into a person who doesn't like a good Italian meal. Cook up some pasta, throw some sauce on it, and it doesn't have to be spaghetti. I call it spaghetti dinner, but I rarely use spaghetti because if you're on a second or third date, you're still not at that spaghetti eating stage. What do I mean by that? Well, we all know you twirl your spaghetti on your fork and there's always that long piece of spaghetti that dribbles down your chin as you're eating. Nobody wants that early in a relationship. You don't want to look like a pig. You don't want to be going (laughs) trying to eat spaghetti in front of somebody you're trying to impress. No, nobody wants to see that. I generally go with ziti. You can slide it on the tines of your fork and not have it dripping down your chin. There's no (laughs) with the ziti. Ziti is safe. Everybody likes ziti and you can put sauce on it. It holds the sauce and you don't have that slurp factor. And the other thing about doing spaghetti sauce as one of the first meals you cook for somebody is you can find out if they like a meat sauce, if they like just a tomato sauce, if they're a vegetarian, if they're vegan. Not that I have anything against veganism. I just like a good hearty meat sauce. That's just me. 
But you can make a hearty meat sauce, not necessarily using ground beef. You could use ground turkey or ground chicken. And so you have that conversation. Do you like beef? Do you like turkey? Do you like chicken? And if they don't like any of those things, you can chop up zucchini and big chunks of tomato and put that in your sauce. And then you have a chunky sauce that's meat-free for whoever you happen to be dating. But that's the conversation you have. And that's why the cooking thing is so intimate, because you have to get to know the person. And then when you're in the kitchen preparing the meal, whether you're chopping up onions or chopping up cucumbers or chopping up tomatoes, whether you're browning the meat, whatever you're doing, you're working together. And you get to see how you work with that person and what they're like in kind of a casual but slightly intimate environment. It's cool that way. And that's why food is so important in that kind of a situation. But that's why I love food. It's, number one, important to stay alive. But also, it's very important to get to know people and how they interact with food, how they are cooking food, how they are preparing food. If they're willing to cook for you, if they're willing to spend the time to make a meal for you, that's something you want to know. And the fact that you're willing to spend the time to cook for them is something they'll want to know. I've gone on a lot of dates in my life, and I've had many relationships, and food has been an important part of all of them. And that cooking thing, that knowing how to cook, that being willing to help them cook, that goes a long way to helping you learn how the relationship is going to go. Believe me, if you can work well in the kitchen, if you have a common interest in food, if you have a common interest in things that you do together, like preparing a meal, that's important information. Plus, it's a lot of fun and you get to eat. And worst case scenario, even if the relationship goes nowhere, at least you got a couple of good meals out of it, right? I promised you a recipe this episode, too, and I will deliver. It's called garbage bread. Why is it called garbage bread? Basically, garbage bread is a baked bread where you throw all the garbage from your refrigerator into the bread, bake it in the oven, and eat it. And when I say garbage, you have a couple pieces of cheese left over, maybe some steamed broccoli from the other night, some shredded chicken that's left over from the rotisserie roast you had. Throw all that into the bread. Roll it up. Bake it. All of a sudden, you've got a pretty cool meal. You don't have to call it garbage bread. You could call it like a stromboli. It's almost like a stromboli. If you've ever been to an Italian restaurant and had a stromboli, it's very similar to how they make strombolis in an Italian restaurant. But garbage bread is so much more fun to say. And the thing with the garbage bread, you can put anything in it. I'm going to give you a couple of ideas. What I just mentioned, the chicken, broccoli, and cheese, that's a super easy thing to do. And it's a super easy garbage bread to make. Now, obviously, with garbage bread, you need to start with bread. And the secret to garbage bread is you're not really making bread. What you're going to do is you're going to go over to your supermarket. It's usually in the frozen food section, but it may be in the bakery section, depending on how your supermarket does things. What you're looking for is frozen pizza dough. Yes, frozen pizza dough. Frozen pizza dough comes in a package. It's about the size of a large softball. Now, the pizza dough is usually flour-based, so it's white like a regular pizza crust. But sometimes you can find wheat. It's totally up to you which one you want to use. I prefer the white just because it's easier for me to use. The wheat tends to get a little sticky in my opinion. But either way, buy yourself a package of the frozen pizza dough. Take it home and thaw it. To thaw it, you can leave it in the fridge overnight. Or to quick thaw it, take the frozen pizza dough. You can leave it on the counter if you have all day. If you only have a couple of hours, put it in a bowl of cold water. Not the dough, but the dough inside the package. Because you obviously don't want the dough getting wet. You just want to thaw it. And that's a quick way to thaw the dough. It'll thaw in a couple of hours if you put it in a bowl of cold water. Cold water, not warm. Physics. Once your pizza dough is thawed out, you're going to take it out of the package. 
and you can either use a big cutting board for this, or if you have big counter space, use your counter for it. This is where it gets a little messy, but this is a necessary step to make this happen. You're going to have to take some flour, just straight flour right out of the bag, and sprinkle it over the cutting board or over your counter if you're using your counter. I don't advise using the counter. It gets a little sticky, but you can if you really have to. Just make sure it's clean. You don't want yesterday's coffee grinds in today's garbage bread. That's why I use the cutting board. But whatever works for you, sprinkle some flour on it. Take a tablespoon and sprinkle it on the cutting board and drop the dough on top of that. Then take another tablespoon and sprinkle flour on top of the dough. Why? Because you're going to roll this dough out. And when I say roll the dough out, you're going to use a rolling pin. Or if you don't have a rolling pin, you can use a big bottle or a big glass and roll the dough with that. If you're really feeling adventurous, you could try using your hands to spread it out, but the rolling is much easier and much more effective for me. What you want to do is you want to roll that pizza dough out to about between a quarter of an inch and half an inch thick. And you want to try to roll it into a rectangular shape. And I say try because it's not easy to roll a round pile of dough into a rectangle. But if you roll left and right and not up and down, you'll spread it wide and not tall, if you know what I mean. You do want to make it tall as well, but that's how you make a rectangle. And you want that rectangle to be, oh, 18 inches long, 20 inches long. You don't need a ruler, just eyeball it. And about 12 inches tall. And again, you don't need a ruler, just eyeball it. But you want it a uniform width. When you get it all rolled out, that's when you're going to put your filling in. Now, you can do whatever you want as far as putting the filling in. You can put some salt and pepper on first if you want. You can put some Italian seasoning on if you want. You can put some crushed basil on it if you want. Or you can just leave it plain. Totally up to you. And what you do is you take your filling at this point. And we were talking about broccoli, shredded chicken, and a couple of slices of cheese. You want to spread each layer evenly across the top of the dough. Obviously, you want more than two or three pieces of chicken. You probably need a half a pound of chicken at least. If you don't have leftover broccoli, for instance, and you want to make this from scratch, you can get one package of steamed broccoli out of the frozen food section at your supermarket, steam it up, then I would advise cool it off. When I say steam it up, prepare it like you're serving it so that it's warm, but then run cold water on it because you're going to heat it up again when you bake this. I found you don't want to put warm ingredients into the dough because it changes the texture of the dough as it's baking. But you layer your broccoli, you layer your chicken, and then you put a couple of pieces of cheese on top of that. Then what you do, this is where the tricky part comes in, you take the end of the bread that's closest to you and you start rolling away from you. It doesn't have to be a tight roll, but it has to be rolled up. So you're going to lift up the dough right in front of you and just roll it like you're rolling a blanket or a towel. And as you do this, you want to make sure that you keep the chicken and the broccoli and the cheese in place. And you do that by using your fingers. Yes, you're going to get your hands dirty, but that's part of the fun of cooking. So you roll it all the way up till you reach the other end the end furthest away from you and then you bring that end over the roll and you pinch it closed with your fingers so that the bread is rolled on top of itself then you take that bread and you transfer it to a cookie sheet or any kind of flat pan that you have in the house cookie sheets are best because they're usually big enough when i said roll it out to 18 inches wide 18 inches wide is the size that'll fit on a cookie sheet now depending on how much stuff you've put in there it may be difficult to pick it up without the bread bending You'll feel like the dough is going to break. Don't let it. If you can't pick up your rolled dough, get a couple of spatulas and lift it up that way and put it on your pan. I grease the pan. I usually put something like Crisco on the pan just to make sure that it doesn't stick. But you don't have to do that. 
I prefer it that way because I've found that it often sticks if I don't. But I've heard other people don't grease the pan at all. That's entirely up to you. I like a little Crisco on the pan just to make sure there's no sticking. I don't want my bread shredding on that pan. I want to be able to get it off. So now you've got your rolled bread on your pan. Here's the little tip for making it golden brown as it cooks. You're going to do an egg wash. What is an egg wash? Get a small bowl, crack an egg into it. Take two tablespoons of water and beat it until it's a frothy yellowish kind of liquid. Then you're going to take a little brush. You should have a basting brush. If you don't have a basting brush, you can use a spoon to apply it, whatever works for you. Not everybody has a basting brush, I know. They're about three bucks at the store if you want to pick one up. But if you don't have one, just spread it with the back of a spoon. And you want to coat the entire rolled dough with this egg wash. Why? Two things. It helps seal the bread. And as it bakes, it gives it that golden color we like to see. Then you're going to make sure you've preheated your oven to 375. Could it be 350? Sure. Could it be 400? Sure. 375 is a good general number to use for this kind of thing. Put it in at 375. Set your timer for about 25 minutes. That should be enough. Take a peek at it at about 20 minutes just to make sure it's not getting too golden brown. You can take it out to 20 if it looks like it's done. But 25 should be enough. If 25 isn't, take it up to 30. You shouldn't have to cook it any more than 30 minutes. Once it's done, let it cool for about two to three minutes on top of the stove. Then you can slice it up into about one inch chunks. And everybody can have a slice of your chicken, broccoli, cheese, garbage bread. That's it. That's all there is to it. And the beauty of it is you follow the same steps for no matter what you put into it. And you'll have a delicious garbage bread no matter what you fill it with. Instead of broccoli, chicken, and cheese, you could take pepperoni and shredded cheddar and make a couple of layers of pepperoni and shredded cheddar, roll that up, bake it the same amount of time. Now you have a pepperoni garbage bread. That's super tasty if you like pepperoni. There are lots of variations. I put pictures up a couple of weeks ago, which is what inspired me to give you this recipe, of a taco garbage bread I made. What I did with that was I browned up some beef, put taco seasoning in it, got a blend of cheeses shredded for tacos. It's called the Mexican blend in my supermarket. But anything like Colby, Colby Jack, any of those things that they put on tacos, what I did is I took the taco meat, put a layer of that on the dough, then put the cheese on top of that and rolled that up. Oh my goodness, that was good. The tricky part of that is you got to make sure that you drain the taco meat because if you have too much moisture in the taco meat, it'll soak through the dough and then it'll burst. I know this because that's exactly what happened. But you can experiment a little and try different things with your garbage bread. You can have five different kinds of garbage bread all week and never repeat the same thing twice. That's the beauty of it. As long as you don't mind pizza dough, it comes out great and it's well worth your time learning how to cook this. As I said, it's called garbage bread because you make it with all the garbage from your fridge. And the first time I made it, that's exactly what I put in there. I had a couple of slices of bologna, a couple of slices of ham, a couple of slices of pastrami, a few pieces of cheddar, a few pieces of American cheese. I layered all that onto the dough, just rolled it up. It came out great. All of those different meats, all of those different cheeses all blended together. I'd sprinkled some Italian seasoning on top of it. Oh my goodness, it was so good. So yeah, you don't even have to plan what you're going to put into it. Just open your fridge, see what's in there. You certainly can plan it, but if you have two pieces of bologna, three pieces of ham, five pieces of cheese, a couple of slices of pepperoni kicking around in your fridge, throw it all in there, roll it up, see what happens. As I've said before, cooking is like jazz. It doesn't have to be perfect. It just has to be cool. And that's a pretty cool way to make a garbage bread. So I hope you can put these recipes to good use. I hope you got a little bit out of this. So now it's up to you to put this information to good use. And I trust you to do so. 
That's going to do it for this episode of Storytime. Thanks so much for being here. Thanks so much for listening. I can't thank you enough for your support. You guys are awesome. Until next time, you take care of yourselves. And I'll see you when I see you.